0: you're a frontline worker who's rostered on over Christmas most of us are on holidays now whether it's just for a few days or possibly some of you are lucky enough to have a couple of weeks off work Now, there might be some here who get really invigorated by this time of year. Um, You love the shopping, you love the parties, the time with family and friends. There are others who are really looking forward to just having a couple of days off to put your feet up and to relax and enjoy a bit of peace and quiet. And there'll be some who are just dragging themselves across the finish line of 2023. Hopefully that's not you. As the the year draws to an end, it's usually a time that we spend to reflect on what's happened in the last 12 months and to consider what the year ahead might have in store for us. For some, it's been a great year of financial provision, job opportunities, new relationships and adventures. For others, you may have experienced mental or physical health challenges. You might have faced challenges in your relationships with difficulties or loss, or for some, you may have struggled with financial or work pressures. As we head towards the new year, there's no magic switch that gets flicked that means circumstances will suddenly change between the 31st of December and the 1st of January. Despite any new year's resolutions that we might make, there's no guarantee what 2024 will look like for any of us. But I wanted to take this opportunity to declare a blessing over each person who is joining us today and encourage you to keep claiming this blessing for yourself and your family as we head into the year ahead. So often we think of being blessed as having positive things happen to us. People will say that was an unexpected blessing when they receive something financial or tangible. You may hear someone say, they are such a blessing to me when they talk about an encouraged, supportive and generous friend or family member. You might hear parents say, my children are such a blessing to me. We usually say this when they help us out with the dishes, help around the house, behave nicely and they don't cause us too much stress. I don't think I've ever heard a parent say, They're a blessing to me when they're fighting and yelling at each other. And hopefully there's not too much of that in your household during this holiday season. But blessings aren't just about material possessions or or provision or positive outcomes. It's a recognition that we are not self-sufficient. When we say that we're blessed, it's an acknowledgement that without God or the help of others, we may not be in the position we're in today either financially, relationally or even in our careers. There are even times where we have to acknowledge that our mental or emotional state may have been different if it wasn't for God in our lives or good people surrounding us during difficult seasons. These are all blessings that we couldn't achieve on our own. When we start to believe that we got where we are all on our own, we're walking on shaky ground. In 1832, an American statesman named Henry Clay coined the phrase the self-made man when he was addressing the United States Senate. It appealed to the idea of individualism, to the belief that a man or woman could succeed in life and achieve amazing things purely by working hard and relying on themselves. But it failed to recognise the power of working together, sharing knowledge, skills and resources. A self-made man can find it difficult to recognise the contributions of others when they achieve great things and get caught up in feelings of pride and arrogance. But surprisingly, despite what they seem like on the outside, despite the confidence, they can also experience feelings of insecurity when they realise there are still areas of weakness that restrain them and hold them back. And that inevitably they will need to rely on others to achieve things in life. It's wonderful to take the time to acknowledge how other people contribute to our lives and this time of year is always busy as I'm sure many of you have been involved with Christmas parties and in a few days you'll be involved in New Year's Eve celebrations where people take the time to thank their staff, their volunteers, their family and friends for the part they've played in their personal and work lives. But as believers, we need to go a step further and see how God's hand has been at work in our lives, intricately weaving together circumstances and relationships that develop our character, provide for our needs, and bring moments of joy into our life. If you struggle to see God's blessing in your life, consider whether you can acknowledge any of the following blessings for yourself. Having good friends is a blessing. Just ask someone who feels alone. Having a job is a blessing. Consider those who desperately want work but haven't been able to secure a job or maintain steady employment. Having a family who gets along well is a blessing. Just ask someone who comes from a dysfunctional or abusive family background. Having a good education and a great start in life is a blessing. Ask someone who struggled at school or didn't have supportive people cheering them on through their childhood and adolescent years. Many years ago, some of you will know, I worked for an organisation called Christians Against Poverty and it helped people get out of debt and taught them how to manage their finances in a healthier way. There were times when people would make assumptions about the kind of people who needed our assistance And my response was always to remind them that sometimes it was just that they hadn't had good role models and hadn't been taught how to manage their finances any other way. Our upbringing can sometimes be a blessing that we take for granted. Having financial security is a blessing. Just ask someone who doesn't know how they'll pay their rent or put food on their table next week. It's the reason we talk about being a blessing to our local community when we give out hampers and gifts at the end of the year. We're not only providing for their practical needs, but also offering joy and hope to those who might be feeling lonely, sad, or experiencing financial hardship. Having God in our life is a blessing. Ask someone who feels empty and lost without purpose and meaning. Blessings should help us recognise God in our lives and draw us closer to him. They should serve as a reminder that we are experiencing God's presence, his care and his favour. If you have Christ, you have everything that is eternally worthwhile. So the big question is why? Why have I, why have you been so blessed? The answer to that question is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. It says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. In the opening verses of Genesis 12, the Lord tells Abraham, leave your native country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Abraham went and God blessed. But this isn't the whole story. For that, you need to read the rest of the sentence. And here's how it continues. It says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's promise to bless Abraham is accompanied by a further explanation His blessing of Abraham is just the first step in a much bigger plan to extend that blessing through Abraham to all the earth's peoples. And we need to consider the same how our obedience and the blessings that we've received can impact those around us and future generations. We are blessed to be a blessing. In Numbers 6, 24 to 26, the Lord speaks to Moses and tells him to ask his brother, Aaron the priest, to speak a blessing over the people. Now, many of us know the song, the blessing that we have just sung, but this is the verse that it comes from in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you, protect you, sustain you and guard you. The Lord, make his face shine upon you with favour and be gracious to you, surrounding you with loving kindness. The Lord, lift up his countenance, that's his face, upon you with divine approval and give you peace, a tranquil heart and life. The Lord is the hero of this passage. It's an acknowledgement that God is doing something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. So, as we close the door on 2023, whatever it has looked like for you, whether it's good, bad, or possibly even ugly at times, I want to speak this blessing over you for 2024. The Lord bless you and keep you. I pray that God would protect you, sustain you, and guard you in the year ahead. Psalm 91 verse four declares, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. This verse reminds me of a story that I've heard many times over the years about the way that a mother hen protects her chicks against predators or during a fire. When a mother hen has a new brood of chicks if she senses danger coming or sees a shadow looming overhead instead of running around gathering up the chicks that are scattered around the yard she squats down, spreads out her wings and begins to squawk. Without hesitation those chicks come running to her from every direction and then duck under those outstretched wings. All that mother hen has to do is cluck and expand her wings so they know where to hide. Then she pulls her wings down tight, tucking every little chick safely under her. There is no way that predator or that fire could get to those babies without going through the mother hen. When I think of those baby chicks running to their mother, it reminds me that we have to run to God. He does not run all over the place trying to put his covering over us. He said, I have made protection available. You can run to me. If one of those chicks had tried to hide itself or failed to heed its mother's warning clucks, it would have been snatched up by the animal or consumed by the fire. In the same way, when we run to God in faith, it means the enemy has to go through uh, through God to get to us. There is no greater safety. If you've been through challenges this year, picture your heavenly father like this mother hen who calls to you, sorry, this mother hen who calls you to himself to cover you with his feathers and shelter you with his wings to protect you and keep you safe. Keep declaring that his faithful promises are your armor and protection. Remember that the Lord wants to bless you and keep you. The second part of Aaron's blessings that I want to speak over you is that the Lord's face would shine upon you. Throughout scripture, God's face is a source of awe and mystery. Often in the Old Testament, When God set his face against his enemies, they would be destroyed or at least they would be put to flight. In Psalm 80, Asaph pleads with the Lord three times for his favour and approval after acknowledging that they had abandoned God and his ways. In verse 3, verse 7 and 19, he says, "'Turn us again to yourself, O God. "'Make your face shine upon us.'" only then will we be saved. This concept of God's face shining on us fits beautifully into the story of Christmas, because this is exactly what happened through the birth of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that it is God's Son, Jesus, who makes God known to us, who reveals God's face to us. In Jesus' God's face truly shines on us with favour and divine approval. But think too of this, that when God chose to shine his face on us, he did it first through the face of his infant son. Can you think of a less scary image than the face of a baby? God chose to show us his face in a way that doesn't create fear, but it shows us trust and love. Paul puts it so beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. It started when God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. Yes, God has answered the prayer of Psalm 80. He let his face shine on us and he did it through Jesus at Christmas time, we often sing the well known carol called Silent Night, and verse 3 is a beautiful expression of how God shines His face on us through His Son Jesus. Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God loves pure light, radiant beams from your holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus. Lord at your birth. Jesus is love's pure light. He is the radiant beam from God's holy face. No wonder his birth is such a holy event. It is the night that God truly let his face shine upon us and all the world. If we think of the blessing recorded in number six, we can see that Jesus himself fulfills that blessing. In Jesus, the Lord blesses us and keeps us. In Jesus, the Lord makes his face shine us and is gracious to us. In Jesus, the Lord looks on us in favour. And in Jesus, the Lord gives us peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. When Christians talk about God's grace... They're referring to the way God deals with all of the human race by extending grace before we even deserve it. God shows favour toward the unfavourable, acceptance to the unacceptable. He shows kindness to the undeserving and blessings to the unworthy. Mercy and grace are both facets of love and since God is love we should expect to see God defined by graciousness and in fact he is. If we look at this passage in Exodus God is literally telling Moses his name and describing himself. In Exodus 34 he says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, God displays consistent, undeserved favour to all of us. The Bible is packed with human examples of, of humans who sinned and a God who forgives, humans who run and a God who pursues, humans who don't deserve grace and yet a God who gives it anyway. If you've ever felt unworthy of God's grace, just spend some time reading God's word and you will find countless examples of his love and grace towards people throughout history. Moses doubted God at every turn and yet God graciously guided him. The Israelites repeatedly rebelled against God and yet he graciously rescued them. Rahab the prostitute bravely asked God to save her in spite of her past sins, and he did. And David lusted after and had an affair with another man's life. He lied and he committed murder, and yet God saw his heart and loved him. As you read examples of God's grace throughout the Old Testament, it serves as a reminder that this same offer is extended to us. If you already know Jesus personally, grace is the promise that you stand forgiven before God. So often we want to keep rehashing our past mistakes and maybe there are some listening today who are looking back over the past year with regret. I encourage you to accept the grace that God has extended to you because he wants to bless you and be gracious to you. For those who have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, you may be seeking grace and forgiveness for things that you've done throughout your life and hoping that if God exists, he's kind, merciful and compassionate. And I can assure you that he is. And he will give you an, sorry, and we will give you an opportunity shortly to invite Jesus into your life if you want him to be your Lord and saviour. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Bible says that peace is a gift from God. It's not a natural result of human effort. Most people desire one thing more than anything else, and that is inner peace. It's hard to experience lasting joy or security without it. There are three types of peace that are mentioned in the Bible. First of all, there is a spiritual peace, and that's a peace between God and humankind. Secondly, the Bible talks about psychological peace, and that is the way we think about ourselves and the way we feel about ourselves. And thirdly, there is relational peace, and that is the peace that we want to experience between ourselves and other people. When man was created, he was at peace with God, with himself and with others. But when he chose to rebel against God, that peace was broken. The good news is that God made a way for this peace to be restored and he truly desires a personal relationship with each of us. As we celebrate Christmas tomorrow, we celebrate the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, who came to live on earth. At Easter time, we remember the price he paid for our sins when he died on the cross He rose to life again three days later victorious over sin and death so that we might be restored to a right relationship with our Heavenly Father and that we might have peace with God. It's through Jesus that we are released from the power of sin but it's up to us to repent and say sorry, to confess and acknowledge the things that we've done that don't line up with the way God asks us to live. We need to make a commitment to walk with him and to surrender or give up our own way so that Christ might have first place in our life. If you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour before, or if you know that you've walked away from that relationship for a period of time, you can choose to join us in a prayer of salvation today. You can experience the blessing of a new relationship with God, with yourself and with others, and know the peace and the joy that we've been talking about today. John chapter 16, Jesus talks with the disciples about what is to come concerning his going away for a time and then coming back again, what we now know as his death and resurrection. At the end of this explanation, he says to the disciples, everything I've taught you is so that you sorry, is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. To have perfect peace, we must accept the peace giver. If you don't personally know this Jesus we've been talking about today, the one who protects and sustains you, the one who shows you grace and mercy, the one who offers peace. I'd like to give you an opportunity to invite him into your life right now. In John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that's Christmas and Good Friday all in one. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world and Christmas is not for condemnation but in order that the world might be saved through him. Christmas is a reminder of the salvation that he offers to us.